What is up? Welcome to another edition of the Utilization Report Debrief. My name is Marcus Grant, joined by Dwayne McFarland with you a little bit uh, of later than normal, but uh, that's what happens when you have a holiday thrown in at the start of the week. Uh, Dwayne, good to see you. How was your, your Christmas with the family? Christmas was wonderful, Marcus. Uh, you know, you got football, you got family members. Some family members make you need to drink a little bit, so had a little <laughs> bit of whiskey going. Uh, you know, knocked off all the cobwebs yesterday, though. Uh, Harditz and I, you know, we locked down the uh, recap show. So I had a couple of moments in there where I think I just lost my mind. And I was like, okay, what day is it? Where am I? Um, but we're good to go. Like, I wrote the utilization report yesterday. Uh, so feeling good. How about you, man? How was your Christmas? It was a good It was a good day. You know, I uh, had some fam in town, uh, ate way too much food, still trying to plow through some of these leftovers. But uh, we'd like you uh, kind of peeked in on a little bit of football, uh, you know, had some mimosas. It was a good day overall, though. I have, have no complaints. Uh, but also like you, it was a little bit groggy and, and try to make myself remember that yesterday was Tuesday and not Monday. Uh, it was a whole thing, but, but overall, it was a pretty successful, <laughs> successful. It'll holiday. be a thing for the rest of the week. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to be just one day behind, I think, uh, for the rest of the week. So we'll figure it out. No problem there. Uh, of course, we've got the utilization report, which you can go check out over at fantasylife.com. You can go through. We will touch on uh, a lot of the folks that Dwayne will write about. Uh, so we'll give you kind of a, a little overview of that. By the way, while you're there, you can go sign up for the newsletter. Never too late to sign up for the Fantasy Life newsletter. It comes to your inbox every day. Uh, so be sure to go and check that out. Uh, but let's get started with a little bit of news, Dwayne, because uh, a big unfortunate piece of news came down on Tuesday, and that was that Vikings tight end TJ Hawkinson is out for the remainder of the season with a torn ACL and MCL. Uh, not only does this put him out for the rest of this season, uh, very seriously puts in jeopardy him being ready for week one of next year for the Vikings. Uh, look, I I think we sort of know who's there in Minnesota, right? I mean, you know, Justin yeah. Jefferson is back. We'll see what Jordan Addison's health is for this week. KJ Osborne is there. I'm more interested in kind of what this means for him next year because we were talking about tight ends, and you know, Travis Kelsey is going to be drafted early. Sam Laporte is going to be drafted early. TJ Hawkinson was probably going to be in that group. I would imagine this this drops him well down now in fantasy drafts next year, just because we got to wait and see exactly when he could be ready for the Vikings. Yeah, it'll all just depend on the timing, you know, of uh, the recovery and the reports. Anytime you have a late season injury like this, it's not ideal. But we do live in a day and age where we see these guys getting back on the field sooner than ever and sometimes looking pretty good um, at a position like tight end. I do think you can get away with not being 100 percent and still being a factor because you're playing against a lot of zone coverage. A lot of it's about understanding, you know, leverage, where to sit down, being on the same page with your tight end. Now, after the catch, those sort of things, the confidence Hawkinson's going to need, you know, he is a good athlete. He's a guy that adds on once he gets the ball in his hands. I think those could be some things that'll take a, bit, a little bit more time, but you know how it goes, Marcus. We'll start getting the reports next summer, and then we'll start hearing, okay, is he starting to ramp up at all? In training camp, I, I don't think you're going to see him in the preseason, uh, but we'll just be having to keep an eye. Is he is he practicing or not? But there will be a chance that this could be someone that might start the season on the pup, you know, uh, might not see him for the first four five, six games. That's definitely in the range of outcomes. So I, I agree with you. I think in early drafts, people will be a little more conservative uh, and depending on where he falls to there could there could become a, a point where there's some value in him for like best ball drafts and season long. Like if you have an early draft, it's going to be tough because you don't really want to carry a tight end on your bench unless he's someone you can slide into that IR spot. Right. And that could always be a possibility to start the season. So we'll have to wait and see. I agree with you. It would have been a uh, top three, top four, but now with this, I think this probably pushes Hop Hawkinson out of the top six, at least in drafts, unless we get some sort of miraculous news around the knee. Yeah, um, so we'll see what happens with that. But the really unfortunate injury for Hawkinson uh, at a key time of the year for the Vikings, who were still very much in the mix for the playoffs uh, in the NFC. Uh, in the short term, any interest in Josh Oliver? Because obviously he's the next man up there in, <laughs> in Minnesota. There. Can I interest you in a Josh Oliver? <laughs> <laughs> right? It was uh, uh, Johnny Munt was the guy. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, it was the guy that actually got more routes. So, no, I don't think you want to mess with anything here in the tight end <laughs> department. It's going to be a rotation. Like, I, the guy that, you know, would get the most from this, if healthy, would have been Jordan Addison. 
Um, because he's already shown that he can earn the targets. He can win at all the levels of the field. We've seen him come through with the big plays. You know, he just had the 29 fantasy points in week 15 where he went off for over a hundred yards and two touchdowns. So if Addison was healthy, I I think he would be the the clear pivot play as far as like who gains value. Justin Jefferson, like you mentioned earlier, he's going to Justin Jefferson. Yeah. The other person is KJ Osborne. You know, now Osborne's had multiple times this year with guys out and things working perfectly to his advantage. And he's not been able to take advantage of uh, those situations, but like just by the nature of, you know, having a guy that's been averaging eight targets per game gone from your offense, there's something that can go to KJ Osborne. I don't don't expect him to suddenly be a superstar, but if you think about what he does, a lot of his work comes from the slot. A lot of his work comes underneath. He's really best, honestly, on like drag routes, crossers, things of that nature. So I could see him replacing a little bit of what TJ Hawkinson does and getting a small bump. You just kind of get, you got to keep your expectations in check though, because we don't even know what's going to happen with this, with the quarterbacks here. <laughs> like yesterday, Kevin O'Connell said, like all the guys are in the conversation, whether it's Jaron Hall, Nick Mullins, Josh Dobbs, you know, they all deserve to, uh, you know, be in the conversation for who's going to start this week. So that's, I, I mean, look, they're probably all similar. I, I don't want to see Jaron Hall. Uh, not to say he couldn't do something, but odds are I think you're better off with Nick Mullins or Dobbs under center. And we have seen both of those guys pepper, uh, you know, the under underneath area of the field at times this year. So well, I, I think you could do worse than KJ Osborne in like a DFS tournament. I definitely wouldn't want to be depending on him in any sort of like championship lineup. Yeah, I think that. And, and that's going to be the tough part for a lot of people too, right? Losing Hawkinson, here it is, in championship week. Uh, losing who his a guy who's been I'm sure a big part of a lot of fantasy teams. Uh, so uh, really really unfortunate timing right there. Uh, meanwhile in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence dealing with one more and what has been a litany of injuries so far this season. They were able to get him out of concussion protocol for last week's game. Then in the course of the game suffers a shoulder injury. I believe it's an AC joint sprain. Uh, Doug Peterson right now saying that they're pretty much just taking a wait and see attitude on Lawrence you and I were talking before the show these games have become very important for the Jaguars they've lost four in a row they are you know right now eight and seven along with the Colts and the Texans um provided Trevor Lawrence can play I mean what can we expect from him this week yeah like if the playoffs started today the Jaguars would be in but like they're like you mentioned they're sliding and they've got to stop the slide if they win this weekend 81% chance of still making the playoffs. If they lose, it drops to 40% per NFL.com. You know, you may have heard of them before. I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, So with the Jags, they, they need to win this game. I think they're leaving the door open here with these comments that we're getting from Doug Peterson. Uh, they they want Trevor Lawrence on the field is what I'm taking away because there's nothing definitive. It's basically, he's not saying he's going to play, but he's like, ah, he feels better than yesterday. And then we already had heard it's not a long-term thing. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, if there's one thing like you have to give him credit for is that this guy will play through pain. Like he's had the knee injury this year. He's had the ankle injury. He comes back from the concussion early. You know, it's, uh, I know you got to be, uh, cleared by the independent neurologist, but you know, we've all kind of tongue in cheek joked around about this a little bit. It's funny uh, how quickly some of these guys recover when they play quarterback and when it's a must win kind of situation. Um, You know, who knows? Maybe he was just actually cleared in the absolute normal protocol. We we know that concussion, you know, the way we're treating concussions, it's obviously improved, but with Trevor Lawrence, he is a guy that does somehow manage to always get back on the field. So I feel like he's going to be out there, Marcus, but the, the injury is to the throwing shoulder. So that's never ideal. So that that does kind of bother me. But I mean, Trevor Lawrence has been playing his best football of the year over the last four to five games. Actually, since I went on a rant that time uh, a few weeks back with you and Matthew Berry on uh, our LG show. Yeah, since then, Trevor, I guess Trevor Lawrence, you know, him or his mom or somebody saw that. And they're just like, who is this idiot? Dwayne McFarlane. Uh, you know, they're, he's thinking this guy, Marcus Grant needs to really calm him down. You remember Matthew said I was being mean to Trevor Lawrence that day. I wasn't trying to, I was just sharing data, but I gave some really tough comps. And, uh, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence saw that and he's like, I don't want to be mentioned alongside Sam Darnold. I mean, what, what's happening to my career, but he's really been good Marcus to give him credit since, you know, the last, over the last five games, not including last week when he got knocked out early, this was an offense that was, you know, more of a, a near 300 yards per game passing offense, you know, over the first part of the season, like we just weren't getting that. We were getting like 225, 235 yards per game. And it had been really good for everyone in Jacksonville because we had this pie that had been Zay Jones 
plus Christian Kirk, plus Calvin Ridley, plus Evan Ingram, all of those guys trying to live off of 230 yards per game. That just was not working. But now getting near 300 yards per game, and it's all condensed down to Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram. You know, if you were still in your fantasy playoffs with those guys on your teams, they've been carrying you because they are getting a ton of targets. Now, Ridley hadn't been, but he did finally blow up this last weekend with the two touchdown catches. And then Evan Ingram, I mean, averaging 10 and a half targets per game since we've had Christian Kirk leave the lineup. So really hard to beat that from a tight end. So I do hope we have Trevor Lawrence on the field. I will say if we don't, we have seen CJ Beathard support these guys a little bit in the in, in the brief moments we've seen him in these in these games, but more so looking back to his career with the 49ers. He was never great, Marcus, but right. you know, there were some Kittle games in there. I, I think he's capable. We're down to just these two players. Obviously, we would prefer Lawrence. It's going to be a downgrade for the weapons if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, but it's just hard to get away from two guys that are getting so many targets with Ridley and Evan Ingram. Yeah, so uh, we will see what happens. We'll keep an eye on Lawrence's status as we get closer to the week. Uh, they've got the Panthers, which on paper should be a win for the Jags, but uh, you, know, you never really know. But uh, we'll find out what happens this weekend. Uh, meantime, let's get into some utilization stuff. Let's start at the running back position because Jonathan Taylor is back. Uh, wasn't the most efficient performance, although he did get in the end zone. He was the first running back to score a rushing touchdown against the Falcons this year. It took three shots for it to happen, Dwayne, but it finally happened. Um, yeah, maybe not the vintage Jonathan Taylor game, but it's good to see him back on the field and, and getting work again for Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean, you put it perfectly. Like, that's that's how I worded it in the utilization report this this week. We're not getting that vintage 2021 version of Jonathan Taylor when he was just carrying fantasy managers on his back. You know, um, that that was a great period to be alive. We are now in the you know 2023 season, and JT doesn't look like he once did. And he averaged 2.9 yards per carry in this game. Now, the Falcons have been pretty good against the run, surprisingly, you know, this year. They made big strides versus where they were a year ago. But with JT, he is getting the work. Um, so now Zach Moss didn't play in this game, so we have to factor that in. But this is a team that we've seen load up. They're running back one, very willing to just give most of the work to one guy. So I don't think it's going to change once Zach Moss gets back. And also talking about these teams that are in, you know, the hunt, you know, you've got the Colts sitting here with a 71% chance to be in the playoffs. If they win this weekend, if they lose that drops to 25%. So I do think that we'll continue to see Jonathan Taylor. Um, you did mention the utilization being a, a, a boom for him this weekend. The only role he didn't have in the offense was honestly the long down and distance work. And those are the lowest value snaps. Um, so those went to Trey Sermon and all you're doing on those, let's, you know, for those of you that don't know, it's it's third and seven or more when we're talking about these situations. And the defense is basically going man coverage and they're trying to send an extra guy. And they're, they're trying to just get you to get the ball out of your hands early, throw it underneath the sticks. You want to contest the catch against man coverage. So what does the running back do in that situation? They stay in the block. And even if they do escape out of the backfield, unless they're one of, you know, the really good guys that can get out in space and, you know, and, you know, make something happen and, and, you know, pick up the seven or eight yards when we wouldn't expect them to, it's typically a catch two yards tackled. So there, and you don't get targeted very much because the quarterback knows like this doesn't do me any good. Unless it's like, you know, we do have certain quarterbacks that you call the check down Charlie's that will still just check it down. We don't know why they do it. Everybody at home <laughs> is screaming. They're like, no, like the, we got way further to go to get the first down. But most quarterbacks know I got to throw it down the field and they'll even take the sack sometimes before they'll end up dumping it off to these guys because it's still not going to get them a first down. So that that role is not that big of a deal that Taylor doesn't have it. The biggest thing is 82% of the rushing attempts. So he's going to get most of the work on the ground. You talked about his carries uh, to get the touchdown. He had 100% of the carries inside the five. It was all three that you mentioned <laughs> on that, uh, you know, to get him in there. So I, I do think it's a good spot for Taylor as far as like what the utilization looks like. Uh, don't know that we'll see a big jump in, effic in efficiency, but maybe next year. Maybe next year we'll get the vintage 2021 Jonathan Taylor Marcus. Yeah, I mean, look, he's locked into a contract. He presumably is happier now in Indianapolis than he was at the start of the season. So uh, we'll see what happens when the offseason hits and uh, we get a full workout with, with Jonathan Taylor. Meanwhile, in Minnesota, looks like a backfield takeover is, if not complete, certainly heavily underway. Um, and, and look, this time last week you had Kevin O'Connell talking up uh, all the merits of Ty Chandler. And then this week you have Ty Chandler dominating the backfield snaps. 
Uh, look, I, I keep saying the, the Vikings keep telling us that they don't love Alexander Madison in a primary role, and they keep showing us that. And it looks like, uh, at least for now, Ty Chandler looks like the RB1 in Minnesota. Yeah, I think the important thing here is Madison did play this last weekend. I don't know how healthy he was, but he was available, and we still saw Ty Chandler dominate, to your point. 66% of the snaps, 80% of the team's rushing attempts. Um, route participation was not great, 29%, but again, most of that came to the way that they were getting behind and down in distance, and they were putting C.J. Ham into the game. He's their fullback, but again, when you're in those third and long situations, you're probably facing a blitz. They just want the guy in there that can block and, and, and try to keep the quarterback alive. And so if you guys watched that game, you saw uh, what was happening you know, versus the Lions. The Vikings did make it interesting, but they were getting themselves into a lot of those situations. So I do think it's a positive overall for Ty Chandler. I you know, look at the last two game scripts. They've been very different, Marcus. Um, one, they were ahead by 14 points going into the fourth quarter in week 15 against the Bengals. And in that game, the 82% of the rushing attempts like that turned into a ton of carries. Last week, with the way the game script worked out, still that same 80%, but because they were trailing, they did not run the ball as much. Now, this kind of has a ripple effect of what we talked about earlier. We won't have TJ Hawkinson, so I do think there's also a chance, Marcus, they just lean on the ground game a little bit more. We could have a quarterback change, especially if you go to a younger guy like Jaron Hall. They could try to lean more on the run game, and also I think there's an opportunity here for Ty Chandler to pick up more in the passing game if they can manage to stay ahead on the down and distance stuff. You can't be getting to all these third and longs, but Ty Chandler wasn't bad the week before. We saw him with a 12% target share, so I think the truth is probably somewhere in between these two game scripts. Um, and if you average it out, 15 and a half carries is what he's had over these last two games, plus two targets. So anytime you have a running back that's going to see 17 to 20 opportunities, that's automatically getting them into the running back two conversation. Now, if they're part of a really good offense and they're hyper efficient, they can enter that RB1 you know, territory. But I look at uh, Ty Chandler this week as a mid-range running back two. Well, and he's got a good matchup, too, uh, against the Packers, who have yep. been awful against the run. Um, it's been you know, mildly amusing to see Packer fans on my timeline screaming about Joe Barry on a weekly basis. So uh, this <laughs> is a chance for, uh, for the Vikings maybe to take advantage of that uh, in a big late-season matchup. Um, Kenneth Walker, uh, look, I know you and I have been doing this long enough, and I have learned that you know there's nothing – that's necessarily linear about a season or a player within yeah. the course of a season, right? Guys, uh, you know, they surge, they get upgraded, they they you know have slumps, or maybe the situation changes as they get downgraded. I'm not sure that anybody has personified that more than Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet in Seattle. Uh, early on, it was Walker. Then Charbonnet had a run in the middle. Now it looks like we're back to Kenneth Walker as the guy there in <laughs> Seattle. Is that the case? It, it does. Um, you know, you actually like the way you framed it up is perfect. Over the first seven weeks, Kenneth Walker was averaging 17 and a half fantasy points per game. He was the undisputed number one in the Seahawks backfield when it came to getting carries. And we were just like, okay, like, what were we worried about? Like, why, why were we worried about Zach Charbonnet? He accounted for 75% of the Seahawks rushing attempts over that span, including 76% of the work inside the five yard line. But from weeks eight through 14, Things changed, like you talked about. Now, some of this was probably tied to injury, tied to some different things that were happening with Kenneth Walker. But, I mean, he's been battling injuries the last two weeks. But over that stretch, Marcus, only 8.6 fantasy points per game. So a guy that you were getting almost 18 from, now getting 8.6. We were pushing him down our rankings. We had no confidence in him. And we saw Zach Charbonnet taking over more work. And we had, you know, Pete Carroll out here basically singing the praises of Zach Charbonnet. It felt like in every press conference for about a two-week period. But over the last two games, to your point, again, we, we, we move back into a new phase. We move into another phase of the season and he's actually had 79 percent of the team's rushing attempts over the last two games now last week he didn't come through huge in the fantasy box score only 6.6 .6 fantasy points um but we know that he's back into that lead role and we know that the seahawks are a team that if they can get the right game script they're still very willing to run the ball despite the passing weapons that they have and when we look at a guy like you know like Walker, it, it hurts. That he's not getting the passing down role. Like Charbonnet still gets that. So he's not like this elite running back one where you just know he's insulated basically from any game script, but he's still going to be pretty much a lock for like 14 to 16 touches, even in games that aren't going his way because Pete Carroll never just fully abandons 
the run game. Even this last weekend, you know, he still saw, I, I believe it was, I don't have it rent down in front of me. I think it was 14 rushing attempts this last weekend. He had 15 overall opportunity opportunities. I think he also had a target. So any, anytime you're going to be in a situation like that, like you're going to be fine. Like if you're getting 15 touches, you're going to be a running back two with his talent profile, but he also still has the upside. Like if they get in the right kind of game where they can run the ball more, that 80%, you know, or 79% suddenly turns into a 25 opportunity game. And that's in the range of outcomes for Kenneth Walker. So I've re I've upgraded him back up to low end running back one status based on that. And also just Part of it is also like the landscape of, of what running backs look like at this point of the year. You can make an argument. I should be treating him more like a high-end running back, you know, too. But, I mean, he's right there where you, you can kind of pick. He should be ranked somewhere between like 10 and 14 in most ranking sets, in my opinion. All right. So, uh, Kenneth Walker getting a boost here late in the season. Uh, the Seahawks kind of scuffling uh, near the end of the year. But Kenneth Walker uh, doing his part to try to keep them in things there. Um in New York, with the Jets specifically, uh, look, Brees Hall has been, look, I keep saying, regardless of who the quarterback is, regardless of the situation, Garrett Walker and Brees Hall are two guys that you can still sort of count on every week because those are the only two places the Jets are really going with the football. Uh, but but Brees had a huge game last week. And uh, for a guy who's already having a pretty good season, considering the circumstances, uh, it's a pleasant surprise to see him get an upgrade. I didn't know if there was further he could go, but uh, it was good to see him get that bump. Well, he had a complete dud the week before, um, and we've just had a bad Jets offense. That's the only thing that's really <laughs> held down Brees Hall. And, and, and to be honest, on the ground, Brees Hall has not looked as explosive this year, but still recovering from you know the bad knee injury that he suffered around you know in October of the year before. So I think big picture is what we have to look at for Brees Hall. I did upgrade him again, like so he is a low-end running back one. If he played on the 49ers and he was healthy, he would be the RB1 overall. So like, that's the difference of how some of these things play out. But I chose the 49ers for a reason, because I do think that Brees Hall is the next closest thing moving forward in fantasy football, looking ahead to 2024 to Christian McCaffrey. I've been starting to think through like what my first set of rankings are going to be, are going to look like. We'll release those in the NFL playoffs, but Hall's definitely going to be up there. Marcus, I mean, 15 targets in this game against the commanders. He blew up for the 43 fantasy points. You mentioned his big week, but the thing that I look at, it's the 27% targets per route run that ranks fourth in the NFL this season for running backs with at least 250 routes. Well, guess what? Last year we saw Brees Hall do the same thing in a smaller sample size. He was also a very good receiver in college. So we're talking about one of the, the true rare guys that could give you a 20% target share and over 250 rushing attempts in a season. And you do not find those very often. That is in the vein of a Christian McCaffrey. And if he gets that explosiveness back another year removed from that knee injury, I would not be surprised at all with a healthy quarterback that can keep the, that can keep the offense upright next season. Brees Hall could be the running back one in fantasy football. So I, I, I think he's an absolute a beast of a talent. He's a guy that can do everything that we want. And fantasy managers, I believe in 2024, will be very, very excited to be clicking on Brees Hall. I, I, I feel like he's going to be a lock for the first round. It's just going to be a matter of how high are people willing to take him. Yeah, and I think, I think especially that part you mentioned about the quarterback situation, right? Because we go back and we look at the production he's had this year with you know, the combination of Zach Wilson and, and Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon. And we Ugh. think, look, if we can get a healthy Aaron Rodgers for the majority of the season, what can Brees Hall do? I do think there's going to be a ton of excitement uh, around him next year. So uh, looking forward to, to what that potentially could be. Meanwhile, down in Miami, uh, look, Devon A. Chan, it hasn't been great. It was amazing at the beginning of the season. He was a big play machine. And we all kept saying, this is not sustainable. And, you know, look, Sadly, we turned out to be right. Uh, it was not sustainable. Uh, the last few weeks have seen him very much come down to earth. It, it feels like the utilization itself has been the same. It's just the efficiency has come down, which, uh, you know, Dwayne, just, it felt inevitable compared to where he was early in the year. Well, he's still, yeah, you're right. He's still getting his opportunities. Uh, so over the last four games, since coming back from the injury, I got rid of the first one where he basically just played a little bit and, you know, had to leave the game again. But 9.8 carries and 4.8 targets. So, I mean, 15 opportunities for a guy as explosive as A-Chan is and getting to play in an offense like the Dolphins, he's still going to be fine. But 
in this game, we had Raheem Mostert get banged up. And who did we see come into the game? It was Jeff Wilson. And that's a little bit problematic because we've had these huge blow-up games from A-Chan, and, and he can still score fantasy points on, on the opportunities he's getting. But we've had two games this year where he had seen 22 and 21 opportunities. So if now suddenly game script, hot hand, uh, injury, whatever the path may be in any given game to getting to that 20-touch upside, it might be gone. Because now they're like, no, we're not going to do that. We don't want to wear you out. We're going to go to Jeff Wilson. So, well, whether it's hot hand or whether it's the injury, whatever, it doesn't matter now because it does worry me that maybe we don't have that 20-touch upside for HN. And when you lose a ceiling like that on your touch count, well, we have to adjust the ranks. Uh, because like when we continue ranking you as a low-end running back one on less than running back one utilization, part of what's getting baked into there is, look, any game, the guy could get 20 you know, chances. And if he does that, like he's going to obliterate everything and be the running back one overall on the slate, very likely. So that's now in question. Um, Maybe it's just a blip on the radar. Very possible. You mentioned earlier how these things can come and go. It's not always predictive what we see one week to the next. In fact, most of the time it's not like we're looking for bigger trends, but we only have so many weeks. We're heading into the fantasy championship game. So people need, you know, the information. So I did downgrade HN to a mid range running back two. I still think the efficiency is probably there. I think obviously it's not what it's going to be this season, you know, so far, but I still think he can come through with the big plays. They've been working to get him the ball in the passing game. He still gives you big upside. It's just not quite as high if we're going to have to deal with Jeff Wilson. Yeah. Um, and a big game this week for the, the Dolphins. They got the Ravens uh, fresh off that big win, their big win over the San Francisco 49ers. So we'll see what, what goes there. But the, <clears throat> uh, very interested, of course, to see what happens with HN next year, too. There's going to be a lot of excitement about him based on what we saw this season. <clears throat> By the way, New Year's right around the corner, which means it's a perfect time to start over, make new resolutions, and look forward to a great future ahead. Now, in honor of new beginnings, we've teamed up with DraftKings to bring all new customers an offer not to be missed. Right now, new customers who place their first $5 bet will get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's right, instantly. So now, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings app now. Sign up using the promo code DEBRIEF. If you're already signed up for DraftKings, you can get a no-sweat bet. Get a bonus bet back if your same-game parlay or SGPX bet does not hit. There are max reward limits that do apply. Fan of multiple teams who want to bet on them all? You can combine multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout. Now, if sports betting is not available in your state, no worries. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers who use promo code DEBRIEF and bet $5 will get $150 in bonus bets instantly. It's promo code DEBRIEF only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, uh, let's get back into this. Uh, look at some wide receivers. And uh, Amari Cooper had himself a game for the ages, uh, 265 yards, a pair of touchdowns. He has been great. He's been pretty good all year long. He's been next level great uh, since Joe Flacco has taken over uh, as the quarterback there. And this this seemed like a pretty obvious upgrade after uh, what we saw this past week. Yeah, he gets the double upgrade. We got the, the <laughs> an upgrade last week. Then he gets another one this week. Uh, you know, how far up can Amari Cooper go like probably not any further like can Flacco keep this up uh you know I'm not going to second guess the guy completely we do I get we get a tougher matchup against the Jets this week but Flacco 330 yards per game Marcus 2.5 touchdowns in each of those games <laughs> and four starts who would have known that like all you needed to win your fantasy championship was to have Amari Cooper and Joe Flacco uh and David Njoku on your team so when you look at Cooper over that stretch now I, I took out one game because the first game where he was uh in there with Joe Flacco Cooper got hurt he only had a 33 percent route participation but in three healthy games wide receiver 17 wide receiver 14 and wide receiver one averaging 28.7 fantasy points. Of course, a 49.5 outburst like what we saw in week 16 will definitely help your average. But we've seen this uh, you know, from Cooper before in the past. He's typically a borderline wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two when he's playing in a good offense with a good quarterback. That, that's been what's, you know, that's been Amari for a very long time. But when his offense gets on these heaters, gets on these hot stretches, you know, I saw it firsthand as a Cowboys fan, he can dominate for, you know, three, four, five game stretches. And that's just what we're getting right now. So as long as Flacco remains hot, I think he's in a really, really good spot. Uh, and if you look at the Browns, the big difference here is 
we've seen them shift to a pass heavy, you know, nature. Uh, early in the season, we just had the quarterback injuries. You had the accuracy challenges, all those things. They were a minus 4% drop back rate over expectation. However, since Joe Flacco has taken over 7%. So that is now qualifying them for pass heavy status. One of the more pass heavy units in the league over the last four weeks. So Flacco probably not going to keep throwing for that many yards, but the identity of the team is now the passing game, Marcus. And I think that bodes well for Amari Cooper. So yes, he does get the upgrade to low end wide receiver one status. This offense out of necessity looks drastically different than the one that started the season. I mean, you know, they lose Nick Chubb very early on, then they lose Deshaun Watson. They bring in Joe Flacco. As you mentioned, it's become very, very pass heavy. But I know we sort of hoped that Amari Cooper could blossom. We were expecting to get a healthy and productive Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah. That wasn't the case, but uh, it's good to see Amari Cooper still sort of be able to to have that great season regardless, uh, even if it didn't happen the way we thought. It was Joe Flacco, I'll tell you this, like he's definitely earned like another year if he wants to play in the league as a backup somewhere. I mean, yeah. he's uh, there are a lot of teams right now that would that wish they had Joe Flacco. You know, 100%. Uh, I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of these other teams struggling to get in the playoffs, uh, you know, just trying to figure out who they're going to start at quarterback, uh, they would be very happy to have Joe Flacco. It hasn't all been perfect for him, but he's definitely shown that like he can still come through in a, at least a small sample. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, and it sounds like he's interested in continuing to play as well. So uh, I'm sure there will be plenty of takers out there uh, who want to bring him in next season. So we'll see about that. Um, Stefan Diggs. I looked and yeah. he's still a, he's still an overall top 10 fantasy receiver this year but man the last six weeks or so have been rough for anybody starting Stefan Diggs I thought last week against the Chargers it felt like a get right opportunity it was not at least not for Stefan Diggs I mean I'll ask the question that you asked what is going on with Stefan Diggs in this offense right now yeah it's really weird um what's happening because uh, you mentioned it so 9.2 fantasy points per game over the last six finishes of wide receiver, 46, 46, 13, 45, 36, and 38. We are just not used to this from Stefan Diggs. We're like, okay, man, you play in an offense that's typically a pass first offense. You've got a high end quarterback. You really don't have a ton of other, you know, like the target competition has gotten more with James Cook, but it's not like something unbearable. It's not like James Cook gets a 30% target share. You know, James Cook comes out and has a good game. He gets a 15% target share. So it's not like suddenly like the, the power dynamics of the team have shifted. And then if you dig into Stefan Diggs himself, Marcus, like the underlying data is still good. Target shares over the last six games, 21%, 27%, 23%, 33%, 38%. Last weekend, 38% again. It's just really hard to see a guy like Stefan Diggs get a 38% target share playing with a quarterback like Josh Allen and post a wide receiver 38 finish. There's something to these 38s here. Like <laughs> um, 38, 38, 38. But when I look at the Bills, I think the bigger story is the fact that they've now over these last several games, Marcus, they've shown a willingness to just do whatever they need to do to win. And what I mean by that is do they want it to be a game where they're going to run the ball more? Or is it going to be a game where they will actually drop back and throw it a lot? And early in the season, and for the last couple of years, it has always just been, no, we're throwing the ball. We're going to drop back. We're going to throw the ball no matter what. That's just not the case. So since week 10, they have a minus 4% drop back rate over expectation. They've reached minus 10% or lower in three of the last four games. So there's just been a unique scenario that's played out here. Now, some of this, like they got that lead on the Cowboys, they're like, well, we're not going to drop back and let you sack Josh Allen and enforce like a quick, you know, turnover where then the Cowboys can suddenly get back in the game. And then if you look at this last matchup, yeah, the Chargers kept it closer than we expected, but the Bills probably were never really worried about the Chargers. I mean, we got freaking Latavia, we got uh, Leonard Fournette out there like on kick returns. It was just, it's just kind of a weird game, you know, for the Bills. Um, now they did have the one other game that was in that stretch. It, they had a 10% drop back rate over expectation. So they've had a game where they've still been pass heavy, but there's just more variance now for Stefan Diggs. And what this has done by having these games where they're willing to run, even though his target shares haven't changed, the targets have come down because the, the, the pie is just smaller. If suddenly you're going to have these games where you're not going to be dropping back to pass the ball 40 times, 
it does hurt. And so what's happened with Stefan Diggs, he's gone from being, you know, a 10 and a half target per game player to being more of an eight and a half. He's actually at 8.2 over the last six games. So that's really the biggest factor. But at the end of the day, like eight and a half targets from Josh Allen is still pretty good. Yeah. That's still good enough to be a really good wide receiver too, not the wide receiver 38. In fact, that's still good enough that you can be in wide receiver one. Um, we would prefer the 10.6 targets he was getting early in the season, but I, I also want to just stress here that I think you could easily see the Bills flip the switch and go to a very pass-heavy mode in any of these games that are coming up. I don't think they're suddenly saying their identity is that they just want to run the ball. I think what they're showing us, though, is, hey, depending on the games going and depending on the matchup and what we think we need to do, we will do it. And we've heard Josh Allen express the same thing, Marcus. Like, he's even told us. He's like, hey, you know, what did he say last week? He's like, I feel like, you know, the the, the kid on the playground that didn't really get to play, but, like, the team <laughs> still won. I can't remember the exact quote. I'm totally butchering that. But essentially what he's saying is, I just want to win. I've been to the playoffs before. I've thrown for a lot of yards in the playoffs. You know, I've had the big games to Gabe Davis in the play. I just want to go win and advance. And so I think that's really the mentality of the Bills now. So there's more variance with Stefan Diggs, but I still feel like you have to treat him as a wide receiver one. I did downgrade him, Marcus, but he's a low-end wide receiver one. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't find a way to say that suddenly we're going to call Stefan Diggs a wide receiver two when he has these 38% target shares and his quarterback is named Josh Allen. Well, yeah. I mean, look, the range of outcomes still involves him having those big Stefan Diggs yeah. type games. And so it's just hard to completely get away from that. And uh, I know one of the things Josh Allen said, he's like, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, I feel like the kid who uh, who didn't who didn't do any work on the, the group project and still got an A. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the self-awareness is pretty high. It's uh, it's kind of funny to see there. Um, over in Tampa, it's been Mike Evans pretty much all season long for the Buccaneers. He's having another great season, which uh, is perfect right in time for free agency. So Mike Evans can go out and get himself paid this offseason. Uh, but the last few weeks, Chris Godwin has finally started to come to life. And I know a lot of folks have been waiting on that moment for a while. But uh, I've looked at it. The, the target shares the last three weeks, Dwayne, have, have taken a significant bump. And it looks like Chris Godwin, at least for the last month or so, has been the guy that I think a lot of people drafted in the earlier part of their drafts this year. Yeah. Um, if you looked at Chris Godwin coming into, you know, these last few games, well, he's averaged 11.9 fantasy points per game. You've been disappointed. He's only got three top 15 finishes on the season. And you you knew there could be bumps with Baker. You knew that, you know, there were definitely going to be maybe stretches where this offense wasn't good. But you just didn't think that you were probably drafting someone in round five or six of your draft that you would ultimately, by midseason, just be thinking, I can't even put this guy in my lineup. And that's kind of the spot where we got. And over the last three games, to your point, that's really changed. Now, whether that's due to him and Baker finally clicking, maybe it's due to him being healthy, them figuring out how to manage his injuries. What's interesting is over these games, like he's just not been practicing. You know, they're basically like, yeah, he's he's going to be a DMP, DMP limited. And then he gets out there and he's just balling out on Sundays. So maybe it's maybe it's some mixture of all those things. But to you, to your point, like the target shares have been amazing over the last three games, 39%. 42% and 28%. So over that stretch, 37%. And it's not like it's just come because Baker suddenly chosen him over Mike Evans. Mike Evans still got his last weekend, just to your point earlier. So this is really a condensed offense. We've got two wide receivers. There's not really a third. You've got Cade Otten, Trey Palmer. These guys are not high-end target earners. You've got Baker finally starting to, you know, he's been good all year, better than expected, but really clicking over the last couple of games. You know, he's got 664 yards passing and six touchdowns in the last two outings. So Baker's absolutely feeling it, and he's just locking in onto these two guys. So I do look at Chris Godwin, and he also is a double upgrade. Got an upgrade in week 15, after, after week 15. Now another one after week 16, and he is moved into low-end wide receiver two territory. It's just, you know, when you have a guy like this, Marcus, he's getting 10.3 targets per game over the last three. It's very hard to fail in fantasy when you're getting that many targets. Now, occasionally a guy named Chris Olave or Calvin Ridley, they will. Uh, but it's 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 just really hard. And so Godwin is just due for another big game. He's averaging 16.7 fantasy points over the last three. All right, so Chris Godwin uh, stepping up here late in the season. Uh, big for fantasy managers, big for the Bucks, uh, who are trying to get their way into uh, the playoffs right now, leading the NFC South. So all this coming together at a good time for Tampa Bay as well. 
Um, I have been a self-proclaimed Tyler Lockett stand for a while now. It's been an up and down ride for him this season, sort of like the Seahawks as a whole. Uh, is the big game coming? I mean, he's had a couple of decent games in the last three weeks. Is there a big Tyler Lockett game somewhere on the horizon? You know, I, I feel like it's hard to say for sure, to your point. You've got other targets that are involved here, but... Over the last couple of games, like he really has come alive and he's battled through some injuries. But he has a 25% target share from week 15. And then last week, a 31% target share. Um, you know, over the last two games, he's got five and 16 fantasy points. <laughs> so he, he just hasn't had the boom game that we're used to from Tyler Lockett on the season, averaging only 12.1 fantasy points per game. But yeah, I do think there's a chance because over these last two markets, you have eight targets and 11 targets. So 19 looks, and we've got another one of those teams that they've got to get into the playoffs. You know, they've got to figure out a way, you know, to get the ball to their playmakers. If they can win this weekend, the Seahawks have an 86% chance to move forward. If they lose, it drops to 41%. Now, obviously they do have other guys. They can get the ball here too. And DK Metcalf, JSN. That's why it makes it difficult to say, oh yeah, absolutely. He's going to do it. But the thing with Tyler Lockett that you can always lean on, he's their number one target against zone coverage. The NFL plays zone coverage on over 70% of snaps. So except when you come up against these very man-heavy teams, there's always a nice chance that Lockett can come through for you. Now, again, targets have been distributed out a little bit more this year because of the arrival of Jackson Smith and Jigba, who also now gets a few more of those looks against zone coverage. But yeah, I do feel like Lockett's running hot. Right now, I feel like he and, you know, the quarterbacks, whether it's been Drew Locke or whether it's been Gino, they're really all on the same page. And sometimes this has to do with health, Marcus. We just don't hear everything about these players and the injuries they're playing through. But it does look like Lockett has really gotten back into a groove over these last two games. Well, and not to mention that, at least with the Seahawks and Pete Carroll, uh, he's always incredibly optimistic about even the most dire situations there. So even if there were an injury situation, I'm not sure Pete... Uh, would 100% let us in on that. But uh, we'll see what the what Tyler Lockett and the rest of the Seahawks have in store over the last couple of weeks. And then there's Zay Flowers. And you give him an upgrade. I know personally for me, uh, I was, as much as it hurt to see the 49ers look so bad and get, get dominated against the Ravens, the silver lining is that Zay Flowers very nearly helped me pull off a miracle in my home league and almost get through. I, I ended up losing by less than a point. Uh, but Flowers got me very, very close. But in an offense where we haven't really been able to pin down wide receivers, it looks like Zay Flowers is earning his way to being maybe that main target for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, right now, over the last four games, since Mark Andrews has been out, Marcus, we've got 7.8 targets per game. That's a 24% target share. Um, air yards, he's still more of an underneath target, 60.7. Like the the elite wide receiver ones are over 100. Okay, so he's not in that range yet, but we always get exceptions to those rules. Cooper Cup is usually not like, you know, way up there. He, do, he does because he gets so many targets, but we have Amon Ross St. Brown is not always way up there. So he could be more in the vein of one of these guys that works from the slot, gets the underneath stuff and gets enough targets. The big thing is, like we need teams to challenge the Ravens and we could have that this weekend, you know, with the dolphins, we have a potential shootout on our hands. So we'll see what happens with it. But overall, like I just look at Zay flowers and we also don't have anyone else fully stepping up other than Isaiah likely into a full-time role. They've still got Odell Beckham jr. Playing 55 to 60% of the routes. We've got Rashad Bateman playing around 50% of the routes. We've got Nelson Aguilar. So it's really just a rotation with all of these other guys, and none of them are earning huge target shares. Beckham's good when he's on the field, but it's just right now, Zay Flowers is the primary target over the last four games for Lamar Jackson since Mark Andrews has been out. So I, I really do like him, averaging 16.3 fantasy points per game over that stretch. So I think he deserves an upgrade, and I've put him at that high-end wide receiver three status, but could easily be, be giving us wide receiver two production. Yeah, you mentioned uh, OBJ being good when he's on the field, not necessarily on the field a ton. Uh, Rashad Bateman just dealing with inconsistency. Nelson Aguilar every once in a while pops up and makes some plays, but it looks like Zay Flowers uh, really trying to, to force himself into that wide receiver one role there in, in Baltimore. Um, over to tight ends, because Dalton Kincaid, we were so excited about him, especially when Dawson Knox went down and was out for a few weeks with an injury. Since Knox has come back, 
Uh, it's gone back to being that timeshare and these guys kind of eating you off each other's plates, which, uh, look, it's, you, you just mentioned it, right? The Bills are doing whatever they need to do to win. Uh, this is not helping our fantasy life, though, when it comes to Dalton Kincaid in the tight end position. Yeah, you just have to downgrade uh, Dalton Kincaid at this point, Marcus. It's just It's been a real battle for him any time that Dawson Knox has been healthy this year. Uh, the Bills want to use... You know, Dalton Kincaid, like they're getting him out there, but when Knox is around, they're also giving him his snaps. And so if we look at these games where we've had Dawson Knox out there, here have been Dalton Kincaid's finishes in fantasy football. Tight end 17, 14, 34, 23, 29, 51, and 46. Those last two have been week 15 and 16 with Dawson Knox back. So it's just, it's the reality of the situation. The route participation is not strong enough when we've got Dawson Knox. He's still leading. Dalton Kincaid's still the lead tight end on the team. But this is a guy that was getting, you know, when we had Knox out, 85%, 98%, 89%, 80% route participation. Now the last two games, 68% and 52%. So he just cannot be anywhere near your fantasy lineups. He is downgraded back into tight end two territory. We'll have to revisit on uh, Kincaid next year. But, you know, we have one more year of Knox probably being with the Buffalo Bills. So it could be a bit problematic, not just for this year, but also heading into 2024. All right. So we'll keep an eye on that in Buffalo. Meanwhile, another Dalton. Uh, this one down in Houston, Dalton Schultz. Uh, he's had a very good year, like a lot of the guys down in Houston. I mean, losing C.J. Stroud for a couple of weeks has had a little bit of an impact. Hopefully Stroud is back this week because uh, – it feels like good things are on the way for Dalton Schultz if they can get C.J. Stroud back. And we talked about this earlier. Look, the, the Texans, they need to keep winning, too, to try and improve their playoff position. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we get Stroud back. That, that feels like good news for, for Dalton Schultz. Well, yeah, that's what we would need. Um, you know, he was really solid this last weekend. He had a 21% target share. And he's shown us, to your point, you know, multiple times this year that he can provide quality, you know, outings for fantasy managers. Um, like he hasn't had a ton of huge blow up games. He's had one. He gave us the 29 pointer in week nine when he was the tight end one overall, but he's been steady. You know, he's a guy that it's like, okay, Dalton Schultz probably not going to win my matchup for me, but I'm going to probably still at least get like a mid range tight end one performance out of him. Hopefully get 10 to 12 points. And, you know, I can just make it by on the position. I at least neutralize my opponent um, or just not get completely blown out at the position. And I think that's what we can look for with Schultz. The big thing is, though, with Tank Dell now out for the season and with Nico Collins really being the only other primary target earner, Noah Brown has done some okay things. There's just a, there's a shot here for Schultz to really be the number two in an offense that's really pushing. You know, they're going to have to push to really make it into the playoffs. They're on the bubble right now. If the Texans win this weekend, they remain a coin flip. So they're going to need help. 52% chance to get into the playoffs. But if they lose, it drops to 13%. So this is a team that with Stroud back, we know is capable of throwing the ball for 300. Hell, they're capable of throwing for the ball for 400 yards. Now you could argue chicken or the egg. You know, can they still do that without a guy like Tank Dell? Uh, and I think that, I think you're right to question that. But I do believe with C.J. Stroud, it's still an offense, you know, Marcus, that we can expect 250-plus passing yards out of. And if we can consolidate that down to really Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz, I think there's a real opportunity here for Schultz to continue to be that mid-range tight end one. And he still has some spike week potential where he could give you that high-end tight end one production. Yeah, he's uh, he's been fairly steady this year uh, with occasional spikes, and, and so we'll see if that continues this week. Uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on the health of C.J. Stroud, too, if he's able to get out of concussion protocol and, and back on the field. Uh, last one, I can't – as much as Gerald Everett frustrates me, and it's not always his fault, I can't completely get away from him because every so often he'll do just enough – to kind of get me back interested again. And that's sort of where I am with him right now. Last week, uh, he was you know, kind of a low-end tight end one. This week, they've got a good matchup for tight ends against the Broncos. Uh, you've given him an upgrade. I just I just keep holding on with, with Gerald Everett every few weeks. I can't let him go, man. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think, you know, I think you described him perfectly, to be, to be honest. It's not always his fault. And it hasn't been his fault this year. It's really been a situation where they've rotated the tight ends. I mean, the guy had periods where he wasn't even getting to a 50% route participation. But whenever he has been on the field, like he's been pretty good, Marcus. I mean, he has a 26% targets per route run over the last four games. He has 20% on the season. 20% targets per route run for a tight end 
is is usually mid-range tight end one worthy, if not low-end tight end one worthy. The other number, though, that has to come along with that is your route participation. If you've got a 20% targets per route run and you're only out there as he is for the season now, he's at 48%. It's just not going to cut it. But if you're on the field for 80% of the routes like he was in week 16 when he posted an 82%, well, now we're talking about you know something that could that could bring forward some fantasy points. So he's got a 22% target share over the last four games. Over that period, he's averaging 7.3. That's really good for a tight end. Like when tight ends get six, seven, eight targets per game, we start feeling really good about them. And Gerald Everett's in that range now. Now, we don't have Justin Herbert, so obviously we've got the downgrade with Easton Stick, but he has shown... He can at least be someone that can come out there and we don't have to just, uh, you know, feel like it's going to be 150 yards passing. We know he's capable of pushing the team over 200. Now we'll see what happens with Keenan Allen. He could be back this week. Josh Palmer played 100% of the routes last weekend. So getting a little bit more crowded, but it's really those three guys. Um, Austin Eckler also had more of a full-time role last week. So it's hard to say, okay, Gerald Everett's going to absolutely boom, but he could be one of the two main guys any given week on this Chargers offense. If Keenan Allen is out, I do think that makes it a lot easier for Everett to have a path to fantasy success. He finished as the tight end 11 this past weekend, scoring 11 fantasy points. He's averaging nine, well, 9.3 over the last four games. So he is that, you mentioned it, he's a borderline tight end one, but he, he does have that spike week potential in this new role. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Keenan Allen. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on his situation. And Easton Stick last week, uh, you know, I didn't get to see that that game against the Bills in real time, but went back and watched it, and and he definitely looked a lot more comfortable than he did the week before. And uh, he made some plays against that Bills defense. So if he can continue that, then it uh, is reason to be a little bit more optimistic about all the pass catchers there in the uh, in the Chargers offense. So uh, there it is, kind of an overview of the utilization report. You can go to fantasylife.com, check out the full thing that Dwayne writes every single week, posted there. You can also play around. With the utilization tools, uh, get a look at some of the game logs, figure out targets per route run, uh, snaps, that whole thing, even the team styles, uh, which is really, really important in terms of whether teams are uh, running it more, throwing it more, uh, all that sort of stuff. All good things to check out. I know it's championship week. Never too late. You can always uh, kind of get ahead on research for next season as well. So uh, good spot for us, though, to pause at least for this week. Uh, hopefully everybody is, uh, if you're in your championship and you're hanging out with us, best of luck to you. If you're not in your championship and you're still hanging out with us, well, we appreciate you even more for uh, just coming to hang out with us for a little bit. But that'll do it for this edition of the Utilization Report debrief uh, hopefully you all have the best of luck in your championships for Dwayne McFarland I am Marcus Grant enjoy the week good luck to everybody and we'll talk to you again real soon